Hi everyone, welcome to season two of the Virtual Coach Advantage from Springboard Future. I'm Emma Calvert, your podcast host, and as ever, I'm delighted to be here with um, my co-founder and our master coach, Neela. Say hi, Neela. Hello. Hi, everybody, and hi, Ruth. Hello. We're really excited to uh, launch season two of our podcast with a very special guest, Ruth Cooper-Dixon. Ruth is a positive psychologist and also the uh, founder of uh, Shamps, which is a mental well-being consultancy. And we've got a great topic we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about when you're stepping up into a new managerial or leadership role, what are some of the things that you're faced? And often a lot of our coaches talk to us about confidence and imposter syndrome, feeling like they're faking it to make it. So we've got a great topic. Ruth's written a lot around confidence and uh, imposter syndrome. So we have the real expert with us here today. But I want to kick off first, Neela, because you're the sort of executive C-suite coach here. Tell us a little bit about from your experience of coaching people when they're sort of stepping up. What are some of the things that we face when we're moving into those roles? Yes, thank you, Emma. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. It happens to men and women, in my experience, as they step up into uh, bigger roles, typically, you know, into board roles from from, um, uh, more functional roles. And the question is always to me, am I enough? Can I occupy my space? How are people experiencing me? Um, Have I got enough gravitas? How am I going to perform in in a boardroom setting? And interestingly enough, although more women worry about that, increasingly as I do my work, I also see it with men. And so this, this faking it till you make it piece I find I have to do an awful lot of work around that, uh, particularly in when people are stepping up. It's really an interesting point, that Neela, about the, the female versus male thing. And, and Ruth, I'd love to get your perspective on it, because it used to be almost like labelled the confidence, the imposter syndrome as a like women's issue, which really irritates me. But you're right, I coach more and more people, more and more men that are talking about it now. Ruth, I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Yeah, it goes back to the original research because the the original piece of research into what's actually called imposter phenomenon was done by Clance back in 1978. And it's her and her colleague who did the, the study, it was on high achieving women. And she labeled it imposter phenomenon because she didn't want it to be that women would have something else that they had to fix about themselves. But how, as we know, language gets kind of changed over time and actually a syndrome is a collection of symptoms which as we know imposter syndrome doesn't exist as a psychiatric disorder for example so it is actually yeah I think it's come from the fact that the original research was done you know on a group of women the original study but research has shown that it is it is as as Neela was saying it, it affects men and women equally I think it's it's something though that as women as we find out with with any kind of um study where we're looking at emotions women tend to talk about it more they tend to seek help for it more whereas men generally you know as a broad assumption but you know with lots of other types of 
mental Ill health conditions or just anything that people are worrying about they just don't talk about it right and men have always been known to kind of well just kind of get on with it and you know I'll figure it out but also there's also the societal expectations where you know particularly as, as Neely you will know in the C-suite where it's always predominantly been men before in the past that there's a there's a different environment for a male versus a female executive so yeah it's interesting how the language has changed but I think because that original study was done on you know on a group of women I think that is where it's kind of you know traveled down from if you like. The other bit you just said there Ruth that I that really like amuses me is like how we have change the language of syndrome like yeah. they literally want to be like there's nothing wrong with yes. you <laughs> yeah. I know this is it right and um I think to understand that there is uh, we can we can still be we can still be confident um we can still be extroverts but we can still have those doubts and those concerns that Neela mentioned before about you know how someone's even perceiving me you know that anxiety and that's why you know, imposter phenomenon is not classed as a, a, a mental health condition in any way. That's, you know, obviously the mis- misconception with imposter syndrome. But actually, of course, if somebody is constantly putting themselves under those high expectations, that, that high performing anxiety, those worries, then of course, by default, you are putting yourself at risk of emotional overload, right? So there is a trigger, there is a trigger process there. But it doesn't mean that anything is wrong with you that you've got to necessarily fix it as well. I was just wondering, Ruth, in your experience, I know you've written a lot about this. What do you think the difference between imposter syndrome and, and versus confidence is? What, what do you think the, the balance is there? I think the the confidence can come in there is different aspects of where confidence really shines you know you do a good job and you feel really great about that but there is this this is a link towards you know imposter phenomenon really focus more on that internal experience of of you know intellectual phoniness so am I a fraud so I can still I can still be presenting and doing a great job I could still be showing up and delivering um, you know my projects I could be still be you know a, a leader of 50 people and doing my job but internally so the confidence is there externally and people are seeing that confidence and you know they, they may never even suspect and it's funny Neil you were saying about you know you've come across more males in this talking about this and I've definitely come across that more in the corporate space when coaching uh, male um, leaders that they've you know, it's it's often more pointing it out with them whereas I think with women they tend to go oh I feel like I've got real imposter phenomenon because I feel that even though I've got all these qualifications I'm, I'm hearing that a lot actually at the moment because I'm doing a couple of group coaching programs with with women who are exceptionally well qualified you know they've got all the educational background I had a conversation with somebody yesterday who's about to start working with me she says I feel like I keep learning and set, putting myself on courses because mm. I don't feel that I'm you know that I'm I'm not a coach or I'm not this person that I should be but she is she she totally is but it's this intellectual phoniness I think it's this like well I don't think I am really that person who I say I am or I'm not I don't deserve that label so sometimes I think it's almost linked as well not so much confidence but more around self-esteem and self-worth I think those those are kind of often the some of the root causes as well where it comes from. When we talk about confidence, self-esteem is so linked 
to confidence and our experiences that go back and I'm not going to take us down a kind of like you know psychotherapic route but you know our, our self-esteem is so linked to to our experiences and Neil I'm, I'm quite interested to bring in that kind of like boardroom environment and the experiences that we have maybe going for the first time to see the the exec committee or the board and and you know what that experience might be like for us well I think it can be quite a bruising environment I mean I a lot of the people that I work with talk about it being significantly different to anything that they've experienced before um, and therefore, true self-confidence, true self-esteem, understanding what your boundaries are and being able to stand your ground appropriately is so, so important. So if you're going in there feeling like an imposter, not having the confidence that Ruth is talking about, you're immediately at a disadvantage and also being able to call on your intellectual prowess and whatever it is that you are expert on within the board environment, it is quite a big step up. It's a really different environment. You're not rewarded necessarily for your technical skill there. You're rewarded for your presence, your gravitas, your voice. How big is your voice? So um, it's an interesting, it's a, it's a big, big step up. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because often we get to those positions because of our technical expertise. You know, it's our technical expertise that has, you know, helped us rise through the ranks. But what you're talking about, Neela, is a different set of skills. You know, you're talking about the presence, the gravitas, the managing your body, managing your voice. Yes. We don't often spend time on that, do we? We really don't. We really don't. And I think it becomes, and you don't get taught to do it. Some of us have it more naturally than others. Um, but um, it's something I see that is really required. And that's where, and I, I totally pick, um, agree with Ruth around, you know, women absolutely do not need fixing, buy into that 100%. But women, um, you know, just by definition, we have a different presence. Uh, and I'm not sort of doing that carte blanche, all women, but we tend to, you know, just see how the land lies before we start pushing ourselves forward and putting our views forward. And in that sort of very male environment, which it often is, that can be an issue. You're making me think of a word, and Ruth, you did as well, belonging. Mm. Mm. You know, and, and it doesn't matter whether you're a female or male or actually, you know, whether you come from another diverse background, right? It, it's as you are going into the stepping up and perhaps going into your first board meeting or your first, you know, management meeting, whatever it is, is that it's that lack of belonging, right? Yes, exactly. And we all yeah. want to feel part of a tribe. And I think there's also a part of that as well when you say belonging. The other word then that kind of tagged on for me was that idea of authenticity, you know, knowing who we are, believing in who we are. And then you know, by default, you kind of feel that you, you can show up, as, as Neela says, when you have those boundaries and you feel actually I fit here and I can be myself and I'm part of this group. And that that takes time, I think, when you're talking about stepping into that leadership space because there's so many different politics there dependent on the culture you know the, the, the individuals that are around that table there's so many different 
facets to consider you know and 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 it takes that person to you know i think even the most what we'd perhaps call the most confident of people you know if they if they as soon as they step into that space it does take that bit of adjustment because you naturally are growing and changing yourself anyway around how that feels i think one thing that's come out quite a bit within the imposter phenomenon space is where people they get to a certain point and and um Emma, you touched on this about how people rise the ranks because of their skill sets, you know, but then if you achieve a task or you, you achieve a promotion and you've been working 80 hour weeks and you've, you've done things in a certain way, then actually what happens is we, we think that we have to be operating at a certain level each time to see the same results. That's kind of a bit like the imposter cycle. So we find ourselves in this, you know, ongoing, well, if I, if I do things differently, or if I change the way I am, or if I approach work differently, or I, I step back with my boundaries, or I put some space in there that it's not going to have the same result. Like I have to do things how I've always done them as well. So I think there is that imbalance when people start to move up. They kind of, they've gone from doing things how they've always done them without thinking there is that adjustment. There is that shift that needs to happen, I think. There's something you said in, in there, Ruth, that really links back to the self-esteem, isn't there? Mm. You know, and, and the fact that our own self-worth and our own self-esteem is the foundation, it's the building block. And when we're starting out as well as, a, you know, stepping up into that leadership space, there is there's huge amounts of, you know, that fear of failure, right? The the idea, you know, imposter phenomenon is very linked to fear of failure. And if you're, you've been promoted or you've taken on a new leadership role, there's going to be those, you know, those inner, potentially the inner critic that many people have of, you know, what happens if I mess it up and this is my big chance and I've been especially if someone's been training all that, you know, they, they get to a partner level and they've spent all their years of their career, you know, from university to that point of wanting to get to this position or to get the directorship on the board. Yeah, there's a real sense around, well, what happens if I mess this up? And we all make mistakes, right? you, know, you know, we make mistakes as part of our jobs. So we, we, we sometimes say the wrong thing or, you know, confrontation happens. But I think at the early stages of that, we can put more of an emphasis on that fear of failure as well, especially if we're not coming from a place of strong self-esteem. Which is not actually how most of us would treat other people, is it? No. Most of wouldn't put other people under that amount of pressure that we put ourselves under. I mean, you must see that, Neela, in the, in the people that you coach. Totally. I think we can be our worst, worst enemies. And actually, as you were talking, Ruth, I was really reflecting on uh, actually the conditions of success. And actually what you're describing is um, creating psychological safety for yourself Mm. uh, and how you do that so that you can fail, you can make mistakes. And that does not mean that you are by definition a failure. And I think that actually feeds right into the imposter syndrome as well. So it's a really... It's that those firm foundations, I think, actually in, in at managerial lo- roles and actually maybe just further up, how you build that self-esteem before you actually make that board level move actually feels really important. It's a, like a growing up process almost. Fascinating area of psychology. It really, really is. Um, you can be grown up in your years, but not grown up in, your, in yourself in, in terms of how you, you feel about yourself. So what would your top tips be? I'm going to go to both of you. What are your top tips then, Neela? How do we grow up? How do we grow into our roles? Well, I when I coach, I do a lot of work on self-awareness and um, 
really uh, leaning into the things that Ruth's talking about around inner critic and belief systems and things that get in your way. Because I think if you can do the work with that, then you're much more likely to have firm foundations on self-esteem and be happy with who you are. You know, you're never going to be somebody else, be who you are. And that then enables you to really fully occupy your wonderful intelligence, your technical skill, what you've got to say, etc. So I concentrate on that first before I even go to presence and all the other things and some of the very particular skills that you need at a board level. So that's the way that I do it. It's interesting you, you say that, Nina, because and I don't want to link age to growing up, right? Because we all, you know, mature at different rates and all the rest of it. But it, it is only really when I've gotten to my forties that I've reached this point. And I'm like, I actually, I don't really care. I don't care if you're <laughs> I don't care what people think. And and then, like you say, Neela, like I can embrace my expertise, my intellectual, you know, kind of stance, etc. Because I literally don't care anymore. Yeah. That's right. And I use that word. It's quite a dangerous word to use growing up. And I don't mean that in age. I mean that in, you know, the true sense of maturity. Definitely. Ruth, what would your top tips around the imposter syndrome confidence be uh, for our listeners? Okay, well, I'm going to share one little exercise that I was asked to do not that long ago by um, my business coach consultant which was to go back through right back to kind of the early start of my career so it's on two decades and I keep stuff you know I'm one of those hoarders that keeps the email back because we used to have development diaries at Rolls-Royce back in the 1990s and I used to and since then I've put everything in there and they he tasked me with actually pulling out all the wonderful things that people have said about me in my career and also achievements and it was really really nice and and kind of just reminded me Neela when you were talking before about um, the first time you go into the boardroom and I'd I'd printed out and saved an email from my time when I worked in wealth management from the CEO at that time who said he'd sent me an email to say well done on your presentation today you were very credible and uh, very insightful and very clear and I'd saved that so even now you know it's we forget all those you know because of our negative bias we forget all the wonderful things still right we can be top of our game and still forget all those lovely achievements so that was definitely something for me that was a great exercise to kind of go oh god yeah I've done all of this and I've yeah I've done that and done this and and it just made me feel so much better as well and just kind of that reaffirming um of where I've you know what I've achieved and then the other thing is is an exercise I do um, with coaching clients it's one that's hugely academic researched as well which is called the best possible self and it's this kind of idea of you know you're nodding so you've probably heard of it but where you just you know spend time visualizing and and writing down how you'd like to perceive yourself you write as if you're in the future and that can be two months it could be six years whatever time frame you want but you do it over a period of you know several days and and you can choose the topic of you know your career you could how you want to show up at work what you would be doing how you would feel what sorts of things would you be saying how would you be dressed like all the right down to that whole entire visualization piece but that's been known to be really powerful and I think it's 
it's often then I guess where people really struggle with that then that's where like the work Neela was saying you know we can start to unpick that if you can't see yourself in that position then okay well what's going off there what's the gap how do we work on that but where someone does really go this is what I want this is how I see myself standing up giving this great presentation to my boss and people clapping me and you know doing my targets and great okay so how do we get to that what does you know and having that in your mind's eye when you're working with your coach or your manager and 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 you know remember coming back to that feeling as well I think we forget we're talking a lot about feelings and emotions around the psychology so how do we internalize that how do we internalize those those positive energies as well yeah that's brilliant Ruth I was nodding because I I love that exercise but you know I love the visualization elite athletes Mm. use visualization all the time and it works right and if it's good enough for our Olympians (laughs) it's good enough for us in the boardroom definitely well thank you so much for joining us today Ruth as ever love talking to you and you can find out more about Ruth by visiting um, her website which is champs consulting champsconsult.com yeah there we go so you can check more about the work the brilliant work that Ruth does and we're so pleased that you've joined us for season two of uh, the virtual coach advantage we've loved coaching you today join us again soon